going on, Gator Nation? It's your boy, Pat Young, here for another episode of The Young and the Rowdies. And everyone, college basketball season has come to an end. Let's all acknowledge the great season that Gonzaga and Baylor had. What a game that was. Goodness gracious, Baylor played a complete game on both sides of the floor. That team was scary. I still think my 2014 team would have took them, but that's just me being biased. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Uh, it's been a blessing for me and it, everyone that loves sports, getting a chance to know the athletes beyond just basketball and their careers and every part that they face along the way. Um, this very episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, if you guys just listened last week, I had our guy Major Parker on. Uh, but this week we thought it, it would be better to allow a former teammate to introduce another former teammate. And we both get a chance to co-host and dive into the life of this very next guest. Without further ado, Major, go ahead and introduce our guest for this episode. Uh, it gives me great honor and great pleasure to introduce um, Eddie Shannon from Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, a former teammate of mine, a guy that I watched, you know, all through high school myself when he was in high school and when he was in college that I think he had a lot to do with my decisions with going to the University of Florida. Eddie. Um, Eddie has always been a high character guy, stand up guy. Eddie's doing great things right now, coaching in the NCAA. Um, it just gives me great pleasure and great honor to introduce my former teammate, former point guard, Eddie Shannon. What's going on, Eddie? How you doing, my guy? Doing well, man. Great to be on MP. And one thing I'll say, man, is yeah, I'm from West Palm, but I'm really from Riviera Beach. So we got to give a shout out to, to the real hometown. Um, Riviera Beach, Monroe Heights to be exact. So shout out to the, to Riviera Beach and, and the Heights. Was that where you were born or was that, uh, with, you know, what, with the, so, uh, the upbringing? So it's kind of like the inner city of West Palm Beach. You know, West Palm Beach is the most recognizable for people who don't might not know Florida or might not know the South Florida region. We say West Palm Beach, everybody's heard of it. But I'm from Riviera Beach, a little smaller community. Not not too not that small, but small enough. But more, a lot of people may have not may have not heard of it. Hey, hey Pat, it's kind of similar to like if you're in Gainesville and you got people who live in Alachua County. Yeah. I live in Hawthorne, places like that. Okay. You know, kind of similar to like South Florida. You know, we say we Fort Lauderdale, but you got people who live in Plantation, Lauderdale. Like right. little suburbs on the outskirts, right, right? So, so he's a, he's out of Riviera. Excuse me, Eddie. I know better. Than no, that. no, no, no. You That's said it correct. <laughs> when, when's the last time you were there? That's what I'm going to ask now. When's the last time? You so were there? I was there not this past summer, but the summer before that. This past okay. summer, obviously, due to travel restrictions and all of that, I didn't do anything. But normally, I try to get back. If it's not recruiting, I just try to get back, you know, to see my family because, you know, I still got a lot of family down there and friends as well. So, goodness. Um, Man, I can't. Where, where are you right now? Are you uh, up in, in Tennessee? Yeah, so I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee, home of the Mocs, University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, where I coach, assistant coach for the men's basketball team. Um, and that's where I'm at currently. Me and my wife also, we have a, we have a home in Dallas, Texas. So um, I'll, travel, I'll travel there a little bit too. What's the what's the weather like out there right now? We got it. Not, it's sun shining out here in Florida, man. You already know me and Major. We good. <laughs> We're loving it right now. Back there. We uh, it, it, it's warm. It's uh, I think it's in the eighties today. In the eighties. 
you know. Um, the, the one thing about it, man, uh, Chad has really good weather. I mean, you get the seasons, but I mean, it's it's warm for most of the year. I would say. Yeah, I like I like that. And, you know, my hope one day, because you know, in Florida, it just be one temperature almost year round. Especially, yeah. when, I mean, we close, we close to it. Hey, hey, Pat, you got to pick up on Eddie though. I'm gonna give you a little hint about Eddie. See, that was a that was a shameless plug for recruitment right there. You see how he shouted out the weather and everything. So that was a shameless plug for the recruitment right there. So he's steady working. Trust me on that. And he's working. Facts. Hey, when 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 you're doing your passion, it's not it's not work. You it know, ain't. It's not passion about. It's not work at all. It's not so let's, let's dive into the beginning, Eddie. Uh, you know, speaking of passion, first off, how did you get into sports? You know, it was life. Now that's the chance we get to, to, to do on this show before we get into you know your time at Florida. How did everything start? Man, typical inner city kid. Man, obviously grew up in. We figured that's our way out. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't, I didn't grow up. I can't say that I, I, I wanted for anything, but it wasn't the grace. I didn't have, I didn't have what I wanted. Um, I lived two, two doors down from the park, so all we did was play football, baseball, and basketball. So that's what I played growing up. You know, I started, I started playing at age five, man. I played, and I played everything. Um, and you know, just, just trying to figure a way out you know that's what we saw on tv you know the people that look like me you know they 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 were in the nba or they were in the nfl and i and i was a big baseball uh fan as well because i played baseball up until the ninth grade so um i just you know i started fell in love with it i had an ability um and you know i just wanted to see where it would take me do, do you still have that like what if uh, when it comes to baseball, because I, you know, I played baseball when I was younger. I stopped playing when I was 17, and I still be like, dang, man. I, <laughs> I should have kept up with that one. I do wish I would have kept playing longer, but my what if is in football, to be honest with you. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, I was a pretty good football player. You know, I played, and I was, I was an athlete, so I could play really any position. But I was probably small for a running back, you know, even though there are small running backs, I was a really good receiver. But I think my my greatest position probably probably would have been at that time either cornerback or safety. Dang, that's what's up. Yeah, I mean, you know, going to Florida, you could that's that's DBU as well. You know, you could have mm-hmm. been there and been a been a star, <laughs> a star out there yeah. as well. Did yeah. did you and Major get a chance to uh, go up against each other a little bit in high school? I know you're a little bit older, but you guys no, we you guys know each other a little bit before college. No. We um I never played against Major in high school. Major, you what two years behind me? I think you're two I'm, years. I'm two, two, uh, yeah, two years behind. You yeah, graduated in '95, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I graduated '97. Nah, we didn't get a chance. Yeah, I knew of Major, but we never played against each other. But I knew I knew of him when once I got to Florida and everything. And obviously, you follow high school basketball, you know. So you know, Major was a big name in South Florida. So. Um, he and Keon Dooling, those guys played together for a little while. Um, so, obviously, never played against them, but but definitely knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know you know it's no unknown fact that you you went through some adversity uh, that happened you know, you know when you were a child. Mm-hmm. You know, was there any you know? And I'm sure you're tired of talking about it. You know, but I, I'm just curious. You know, was there ever a point since you you mentioned it? that, you know, you, you know, being, being an athlete was your way out, you know, your way of being successful in this world. That's all you saw, you know, that's 
sadly, that's a lot of what only we get exposed to as young black men. And we only think, you know, being an athlete or a musician is the only uh, avenue for us to make a life for ourselves. But, you know, when you went through that adversity that affected your vision, was there any part of you was like, oh, no, it's, it, it can't happen? You know, now, now or, or was it more like, you know what, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm going to make the most of it. I'm not going to let anything stand in my way. Uh, especially, you know, something so hard and traumatic is, you know, your vision being affected because obviously, yeah. you know, that's almost everything. Well, how, how was it for you personally? Well, to be honest with you, Pat, I was, I think it was what, either 13 or 14, but I didn't give it a whole lot of thought. I get, I, I, it was like, okay, I got hit. I, I played in a football game that night. <laughs> um, and I think that's what, that's what started everything. And then I had to have surgery and all of that. And, in my mind at that age, I was just thinking, oh, it'll eventually heal. You know, I'll get my vision yeah. and all of that stuff. But one surgery led to another. Um, still just blurred vision that, you know, the doctors were saying, hey, you know, it, it, you know, you'll get your vision back. And me just being like, I don't know what you want to call it, but, you know, I didn't like to miss anything. You know, yeah. like, I didn't want to miss a game. I didn't want to miss practice. I mean, and that's just the passion, my love for sports at that time. Um, and I'm like, I'm not going to let this, you know, impact my ability. Like, I can't sit on the sidelines, so, so to speak. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and watch practice. I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and watch the game. So, you know, me, I started just telling people, hey, it's okay. I can, I, I can see, right? Um, so that I wouldn't miss anything. Now, in hindsight, uh, we all have 2020 vision, right? If I had it all over to do again, I would have sat out that time. I, I would have sat out and did whatever it took to, um, you know, change my, you know, get my vision back to where it needed to be. Because I think, I think it could have been saved because it wasn't that serious of an issue, but because it went on, on um, I did, we didn't tackle it that over time, the longevity, long-term, it deteriorated, and then it got to a point where it just couldn't be saved. But I right. think that's, and I have to put that all on me and my hard-headed, but that's that was also my passion, so it was kind of like a gift and a curse. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, that's difficult to make that decision because you had no idea how, you know, mm -hmm. that could have panned out. Yeah. <laughs> you followed your heart, you followed your heart, and, and right. I mean, that, that perseverance that you have has helped make you uh, inspiration. Right, right. And, and, I, and, uh, and I didn't, really, and I, really wasn't awesome I wasn't truthful about it to the people that needed to know, like my, my grandparents and, you know, I was saying, hey, you know, I'm good. And, you know, cosmetically, there was no difference. You know, my eye didn't look funny. It didn't look different. It was normal. So um, they didn't know, you know, hey, you know, they, they weren't going to say, hey, can you see these two fingers? Or can you do this? Or can you do that? No, they didn't do that. They just trusted what I was telling them. Otherwise, you know, things would have been probably, pr I'm pretty sure would have been different. Hey, hey, Pat, I have a question for Eddie on that too. Eddie, I just always wonder, bro, because I know what, what a great competitor you are, but I just wanted to know, like, losing your vision. Like, Eddie, I never knew you then. I never knew you couldn't see. We didn't know that until about, like, I think that was my, my sophomore year, like your senior year. Yeah, going when to finally, senior year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when it finally came out. And um, I just always wanted to know, brother, like, how did that motivate you? Like, being from Riviera, going through that, knowing that, knowing that, you know, that you knew yourself that my vision was a little blurry, that I was probably a, 
a step behind, but nobody else knew that. You covered it up well, bro, because, you know, like watching you in high school, watching you at the University of Florida, like I told Pat last week, I think you was a player that was before your time. You understand? Mm -hmm. So, and you, I just want to know how did that motivate you? How did that, how did that competitive nature, how did, what did that do for you? It's, it's, it's funny, Major, because the way I would think about that is I can't say it necessarily motivated me because I didn't see myself any different. You know gotcha. what I'm saying? Like, I'm just doing what I do. And yeah. I didn't, in my mind, and because I was, you know, in every sport, in football, I was really good. I was one of the better players. In baseball, I was one of the better players. In basketball, I was one of the better players. So I'm like, hey, I'm doing everything the right way. I'm good. I'm Gucci, as they mm -hmm. say, right? So had I had had I felt like I was missing something or these guys were better because of this, it probably would have been different. I probably would have said, hey, okay, I I do need to tend to this because these guys have an advantage over me, not knowing that they have an advantage over me. Gotcha. I'm just I'm just doing what what I do. I'm just giving it, you know, playing hard my passion and you know I was a good athlete so I can't say it necessarily motivated me it's just something that you know I just knew I knew obviously I, I was blind I know I didn't have perfect vision <laughs> you know hey, that's love you know um you, you know going back to your recruiting process you know when you start getting because you were you know highly decorated high school athlete you know could really get them up could really score uh 3a player of the year among many other accolades that you won throughout your high school career. You know, how was your college recruiting process when school started getting on you? Well, I don't think they have ABCD camp anymore, but where I really started getting noticed was at ABCD camp. And, you know, playing against Marbury, playing against Sham God, playing against what well, Ed Coda was actually on my team. You know who else was on my team was uh, Mike White, who's the head coach of Florida. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that's the first <laughs> time I ever I ever met Mike. Um, and just playing against Shaheen Holloway, who's a coach at St. St. Peter's um, right now in, in Jersey. Um, but playing against those guys, doing well, playing uh, for Team Florida, um, and playing on the big stage really well, my, my recruiting shot up right after my sophomore year, right? And then, obviously, I was this 5'10", 5'9", guy who was, you know, really, really athletic and quick and fast and all of that. Like, Billy still calls me if I – we get on the phone, he gonna call, he gonna say Fast Eddie. That's the, he don't even call me by my name, he just he calls me Fast Eddie. <laughs> right. Um I wanted the process to be quick. Yeah. I didn't I didn't I wanted it to be over before um I started school in the fall. So I knew where I was going and I could just focus. So I eliminated a lot of schools early. I had a high, high interest in Arizona, and that's where I ultimately committed to first. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, who's the coach at Pacific right now, he was he was the point guard, and he was like the you know number one point guard in the nation. I go on my visit, and you know that's my host. You know this guy that I look up to, who's actually smaller than me, um, and I knew Coach Olson, God rest his soul, who passed away uh, last year. Um, was a great coach, well-respected. I knew it was a great pace, place for me, but it was across the country. I went out there, man, I had a great time. You know, Miles Simon, who was with the Lakers, he was, he was, he was a freshman and, you know, he was, he was around. 
and they, they had some big names and they had just come off a of final four as did Florida. Um, so I committed out there, you know, I wasn't going to take any more visits. That was my only visit. I had been to Florida and Florida state and a couple other places many times unofficially, you know, that's just like, you do that all yeah. the time coming to high, coming out of high, uh, while you're in high school with camps and individual camps and team camps and all of that. So I, I eliminated like the NC States, the Clemsons, the, uh, a uh, few at Boston College, uh, Villanova. It was a, b- a bunch of schools. Um, now, the one place that I would have gone that I didn't have the chance to was Georgia Tech because of Kenny Anderson. They wanted Marbury. I was second in line. So I don't know how that went. But anyway, so after I come back from Arizona, meet with my high school coach, I had committed. He's like, hey, you can't do that. Um, and we didn't have cell phones and all of that stuff back then to where I could be texting him and saying, hey, I'm about to commit. And he can say, no, you don't commit just yet. You know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. So I, I, I'm a 17 year old, you know, and I'm enamored about, about the facilities and everything that's going on, how they treat me and all of that. So I commit. Um, so he, he convinced me to take the visit to Florida with coach Kruger and those guys, they flew down in a private jet, picked me up from West Palm, flew back to Gainesville and the rest was history after that. Great time. The people treat you first class, loved Coach Kruger and his staff, and I decommit from Arizona, and then I commit to Florida. Now, once I decommit to, from Arizona, Jason Terry, the Jet, who was committed to Washington, he decommits from there and commits to Arizona. So that's how he what? got to Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so he stole my career. <laughs> yeah, but that's that 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 was my recruiting story. I eliminated a lot of schools early. I wasn't one of the guys that I didn't like the recruiting process. Like I didn't want to be getting a bunch of phone calls and all of that stuff. Like it just it it didn't, you know, that just wasn't my thing. Comparatively, yeah. now that it's you know full circle in that uh you know you're out of that you know, being recruited, but now you're on the, the stage where you are doing a lot of recruiting, you mm-hmm. know, how, how have things changed? You know, obviously they changed because talking to Coach Donovan, he was telling me some crazy stories and I'm sure you, you can tell mm-hmm. me all types of crazy mm-hmm. stuff for, on both yeah. ends from when you were getting recruited to being someone that's recruiting and chasing after uh, these talented young individuals now. Well, now it just, see, it see, well, it's more, a lot of kids don't make their own decisions now. You know, and there's other people responsible for the decision, at least initially, at least the first time around with the with the big names. It may be whatever AAU program that coach is running it and telling you where you're going to go to school and that kind of stuff. And we already know the funny business behind it and how that's right. We, 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 We know that. But I think nowadays these kids, they they love the process. They like to be um, vetted. They like the phone calls. They like the texts. They like they like the recruiting process of the feeling of being wanted. You understand? Because I think yeah. a lot of times, if you're a recruit and a school contacts you, and it's a school that you, you that you know you like, um, you feel like you got a good relationship with the coaches. You see, you think you can play with those players that are currently there. Um, you like their style of play, but instead of saying, okay, coach, I'm ready to get down to the nitty gritty. No, you accept all these other schools 
because just because you like the process, I don't want to commit to you yet because once I commit to you, then all the other calls and all the all the fluff stops. Stops, yeah, absolutely. You know? And it wasn't like that necessarily back in the day. It, 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 it wasn't like that. I don't have any like crazy stories in terms of guys that I've been recruiting. Um, anything I think that was weird just yet, other than just the process being just drawn out for no reason. You know, you know you like us. Yeah. You're ready to make the decision, but you won't because you like the process of others, many, many schools calling you and, and making you feel wanted. And you, you being, you know, on both ends of that process, you obviously understand part of the process is, is not getting the player that you thought you were going to get sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, how, def- how deflating is that and how do you accept it and just move on and, you know, ultimately, because I know that can be tough. You spend, you know, months at a, on, at a time developing, making these relationships with players, yeah. telling them where you can see them, being honest, doing things the right yeah. way. And yeah. then it just at the end of the day, they make a decision, which, you, you know, more than likely wasn't all their own decision. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how, how do you, uh, you know, manage and deal with that mentally as a, as a coach? Yeah, that, that, that one is tough, but it's, it comes with the territory, I think. And it's just, it, you know, it's deflating, but that's why you got to, you know, recruit, recruit multiple guys. You can't close any doors and you just, you, you can't, you can't get emotionally caught up in it. Yeah. Because when you get emotionally caught up in it and then something like that happens, you know, it takes a lot out of you. You know, it makes you question a lot of things. It's just like, and that's the hard part of it. And that's the part, that's, that's the part that you don't like when the kids don't make their own decisions. You know, you got to call. <laughs> it's crazy because nowadays when I recruit a kid, I find out, okay, sometimes before I even contact the kid, I call his AU coach, his high school coach, um, people around his mentor, the people around him before I call the kid. Because the way it's handled now, if you call the kid first, those guys will get upset and you'll be immediately eliminated. Wow. Somebody in that circle... Oh, you didn't call me. You called. You reached out to him first. Why'd you reach out to him? Why you hit me? First? You know I'm running that. I've had conversations like that. Yeah. I've had so, right. so you gotta. I mean, and, 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 and it's a it's a tough business because you know I'm on that side, Eddie, mm-hmm. with dealing right. with the kids and, and dealing with the coaches and helping these kids, assisting these kids and making those decisions. Right. You know. So I understand and I feel your pain on that because, you know, like a lot of these guys out here, Pat, and Pat, I'm pretty sure you experienced it. You was a high-level big-time player coming out of high school. And um, a a lot of these kids, they come from single-parent back homes. Mm -hmm. You know, they come from that. They come from from other people making their decisions and not, not, you know, them not being stern on their decision and knowing, you know, being able to speak up about what they want to do in their process. But, Andy, I also feel like there's a catch-22 to that, that from both sides of that, because a lot of these kids, sometimes we know, we know as coaches, as players, and like you said, Andy, a lot of these kids just go off attention. They, yeah. they want their attention. So they end up making decisions off of a coach that just showed them some attention. 
And maybe that wasn't the right fit or the right place for them. Cause they just, you know, cause they thought like, okay, this coach showed me the attention. He texts me, he called me the most, but I don't know. This coach just needed to fill a scholarship really, buddy, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And, and then the kid get caught up and now we go into those transfer portals of those natures. But Eddie, I just, I had a question. Mm-hmm. Pat, I just want to back up a little bit. I just, yeah. I had a question Eddie, about your uh, upbringing with your high school coach. Mm-hmm. And your coaches before your high school, because I'm a big, I'm big on, you know, it's it's great to it's great to pat the Lon Krugers on the back, it's great to pat the Billy Donovans on the back, but we came from somewhere before we got to them. You know, mm-hmm. it was people who yeah. it was people like, and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong on this, Eddie. I believe that that your grandmother played a very big role in your life, like mm-hmm. my grandmother did. So mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of those characteristics that you now live by. They was embedded in you from your grandmother and those coaches that was in that Riviera community. Mm-hmm. Could you just touch on that a little bit about those, your high school coaches and those coaches in Riviera that kind of embedded you and, you know, led you in a, in a, in a good direction as a youth? Yeah, man, that's, that's a good point, MP. Um, yeah, definitely my grandmother, God rest her soul. But, I, you know, I was raised by my grandparents and, so I'm an old soul a little bit, but, and, you know, so I grew up, like I got, I have four sisters and a brother, but I kind of grew up as a single kid, you know, cause I was the only one that was raised by my grandparents. So I kind of grew up, so I was spoiled a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, I have an old soul in that way. Um, I'm very, I, I think that's what made me so independent as, as a kid and kind of a loner and an introvert. I'm, I'm a little bit introverted. Um, and then when I talk, when I think about my AAU coaches, Randy Jones, Ron Robinson, and Willie Shelton, that's, I feel like that's where I got all my toughness from. Which, nowadays, you can't coach kids the way they coached us. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say everything in the world to you. But although they did that, you knew they loved you though, because they yeah. took you everywhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. They they made sure you got home. They took you. I mean, we went on trips. You know, I I'm from Riviera Beach. I had never been anywhere before. We we everywhere around the country because we got a good AAU team, and so we're traveling places, new places, places I've never been. These guys, and so you allow them to coach you up, and at that time. You know, parents back then, they allowed the coaches to be coaches. They didn't interfere, and they allowed the discipline to take place right there. I mean, within reason. And it was nothing, you know, no physical stuff or anything like that. But it was, as they would say today, it was verbal abuse. But it wasn't verbal abuse. You understand? Yeah. That's, they, they, they felt like they needed to talk like that to us to get, to get us to move, for one, to cor- corrective punishment, two, and to make us men. Yeah. You understand? Yeah. Like the war, it's not easy, it's not gonna be easy. People is not are not gonna say things nice to you when you do something wrong in the real world. So they give it to you wrong. So then when 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 you hit the real world and somebody say something to you, you got tough skin, you're not sensitive, and you go on a tank, and then you gotta, you know, you got all these issues and all of that. Um but to, to go back, MP, I feel like that's where I got all my toughness from. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was nine times out of ten the smallest guy on the team, but probably the best player. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't, you know, 
I was a driver, so obviously I'm going in there with trees and all of that, but I might get knocked down, but I'm going to keep coming because I right. it made me tough. And if I didn't go because I got hit hard one time, oh, I'm going to hear about it. You understand? Mm-hmm. I'm going to hear about it. They're not going to live that down. And now, not only am I going to hear about it, when we get on the bus to go back to Palm Beach, I'm going to hear it. That's all I'm going to hear about. Yeah. yeah. You understand? Yeah. So those guys made me tough. And they taught yeah. me the game. They taught me how to play. Yeah. And I just, you know, us Florida boys, you know, we were always athletic, feisty, tough. That, that, that's what you were going to get from us. They taught you how to be a competitor. Right. You know? Exactly. Like, that's what it is. It's, it's when we, we step into the court, you know, we come in, you come in to win. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to take sometimes a coach needing to get on you to get that out of you. And yeah. that's, it gets coddled so much. And it's like when, think, when in the real world, when money on the line, ain't mm-hmm. nobody going to just talk to you all nice and, yeah, yeah. The other thing that I learned too, MP, from them was like they didn't play the buddy buddy stuff. Like if you played against um like if I'm if I'm playing against my best friend, like you and you trying to take it easy, they're not gonna allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna they're gonna think like they're gonna create us an environment where you and him are, are gonna uh, are about to fight. Yeah. You understand? And what happens is what I learned from that was I ended up going to Cardinal Newman Major, which you know, which is, you know, way, you know, it's a Catholic, it's a uh, Catholic predominantly white school. All my other guys that I played with, they went to the inner city school, the Suncoast, the Dwyers, those schools. Um, so when we played against each other, it was, hey, okay, we boys, but that's it. There's and if we, gotta fight, if we gotta fight while we're on the court, we gotta fight. We're gonna be boys yeah. after, but we gotta fight, but that's I learned that stuff, from, and that's the competitive part that you're talking about, Pat. Just competing against anybody, anytime, anywhere, no matter how big or small they are. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's a disservice to you and your team and everybody else by bringing anything less than your best. Yeah. Even if your boy, it's a disservice to him for the blessing and opportunity to be on the court because – we all know that that professional career, that 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 span in our life where we can play basketball competitively, isn't that long. And yeah. you know, even when you're a kid, you might make the most of it. You know, step out there and and put that work on your boy. Like, <laughs> let him know what's up because that, I mean, that's gonna be bragging stories in the day, later on in life. Too. Uh, yeah. Too, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely get that. So, what was it about, you know, Coach Kruger, you know, that that got you? Cause you you know you you had the opportunity of being coached by by Coach Kruger and Coach Donovan. So yeah. what, what was it about him um, that that got you that you know made you feel as though Florida was the right fit for you in uh, well, you know making that decision? I think it was more of the distance and it being you know not too is three hours from Palm Beach, um, not too far. Um, Coach Kruger was great. I thought he was he was he, he was great dude. Um, the staff was great. Um, the style of play, but at, at that time that they played, I wasn't. That wasn't necessarily something that I I could say that I wanted to play in, um, because I was more of a, okay. I want to use my quickness, my 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 speed in transition and playing fast and pressing a little bit and that kind of stuff. 
that's not that's not how he played at the time. Now he changed that Oklahoma and those guys played way different. But uh, that's just adapting <laughs> to the times. But um, I just felt like he he was genuine. He was candid. He cared about me. Um, and I like what he had done at Florida. They had just came up, come off a of final four. They had a good roster coming back and um, it wasn't far from home. And I knew when I went on my visit, I knew many people. I was already friends with Fred Taylor, who was on the football team, Redell Anthony, who was on the football team. And I had classmates that were already accepted and going to Florida. So all of that weighed in at the end of the day. And that's what made me change change my decision. Yeah. Hey, Andy, just just keep it Andy, just keep it real. You are you already had you already had your latest lined up when it was coming. <laughs> You already had it lined up. Just keep it real. He already, Pat, he already knew. He already knew, Pat. <laughs> that that was the real motivation. <laughs> hey, that is some motivation, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey. Um, so what you know, you get there as a freshman. Um, you know, what were some things? So this is a question I like to ask a lot of guys. You know, you if you can bring yourself back to that first year. Now, what were some expectations you had as a freshman, and then some some things that were just like, oh snap, this ain't this ain't high school basketball no more. Like this is this is a real deal, like a job. As being yeah, a I think athlete. I think it's good because I can't remember uh, just the physicality because I was I was my probably my senior in high school I was one fifty one fifty five something like that, and then I get to campus. And I'm going against guys that some of the things that I can get away with in high school, I couldn't get away with because you get bumped and I couldn't take the bumps and you get hit. Now I was good enough that I can get some stuff done, but not at the rate that I thought I would be able to, you know, you get to the paint, there's six, nine, six, ten guys challenging shots. Not only are they challenging, but they're hitting you. Um, the speed changed, which, you know, it just, that didn't take long to adapt to because I, you know, I had, I had speed and pace. Um, but I would say that. And then the other thing was the, uh, the time you had to get your shot off, you know, guys closing out quicker, you know, they're longer, you know, so you had to change in high school. You can kind of, okay, take your time a little bit. Okay. Now there's a different, you know, there's a different. Uh, animal closing out that now, you know, guy six four six five long knows how to play defense, you know, so you got to figure out how to get this thing off and you have to be able to get it off because otherwise it's a detriment to the team if you can't. So you have to yeah. learn and prepare to be able to do that stuff. And the other thing was just the preparation that goes into being a college athlete. That was, that stuff was a cakewalk to me in high school. Right. It was a cakewalk. I get to Florida and I want I mean, there was, I would say, shoot, the walk-ons gave me a problem for like the first week or two. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like now once I adapted, okay, case closed, but yeah, I'm like, man, just do a walk-on. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I'm saying? Um them boys so, be playing hard, boy. They be playing hard. Right. And they're strong. They they, you know, they, you know, they know what they know what it takes to play college basketball. Me, I'm just, you know, I'm wet behind the ears. And I can't say that I had a college coach who say, 
coach who played in college or something like that and knows how to prepare, who knew how to prepare me at the time. Now, after the fact, he started, he knew how to do that stuff, but I was the first for him. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's really kudos to guys that who coach high school or, or coach AAU and they've been recruited, they played in college, they know what it takes to prepare those kids so that they don't run into a, a brick wall like I did. Like I had no clue, you know, I just thought I can go off a raw ability and no, you can't. Now, if I was seven feet, I probably could go off raw ability, but even right. though I struggle sometimes. Do you still see a lot of kids like that now that, that come in and just seem as though they have no idea what, Absolutely. what they're in for, you know, when Absolutely. they come to college? Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are kids that still go um, to college now and they have no idea what it takes to be a college athlete initially. And they struggle, you know, for however long until they figure it out. Once they figure it out, they're fine. But that initial wall is like, man, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it's tough. It can be tough. And so, and I, and I have seen guys not be able to recover from that. Yeah. Because they just don't have the mental makeup to do so. Yeah, that, that leads me into, yeah, you know, this, the current situation that we're seeing in the, the NCAA, over 1,200 kids are tra- mm-hmm. into the transfer portal, you know, thinking that the grass is, is greener on the other side or just not happy or, you know, just maybe, maybe that's just their own journey with their learning curve. You know, what do you, what do you see as a state of college basketball when, you know, you got 1,200, 200 kids deciding, you know, it's almost three per team deciding that they need to leave and go somewhere else. Well, it'll be, it's, it's, um, it'll be even more next year. And the thing you got to remember is this, this generation of kids, it's, it's, they want, it's like microwave success. There's no more process. The process used to be, if you're a good, if you're a good high school kid, you go to a good college. There's, let's say I'm a point guard, right? So, the point guard I'm behind, he's a junior, right? But this is going to be his first year starting because he played behind a guy for two years, right? So now he takes over the reign. I come in as a freshman. I come off the bench. I play behind that guy. After his senior year, I'm now a junior. I take over. He may, he goes to, he may go to the NBA, overseas, wherever. I mean, and I'm talking about good programs, good players. But that was the, and that's at every position, you know, and you just, they just mainly recruited high school. You could recruit high school guys at that point. And it was a process. I come out of high school. I'm not quite ready yet, but it's, I'm getting better through individual workouts, learning the college game. And I'm not, my responsibility is not, I need to come in and score 20 points as a freshman. No, that's why you got these older guys, right? I come in, I get my five, six points, assists, whatever I need to get that helps the team in my, in my reserve role. And then my junior year, now I got a chance. Okay. Now it's my team. Now I'm first team all conference the next two years or, or whatever, but, but that's a process. Yeah. These kids are used to instant success. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The internet, if they, if, if they go on the computer and they click on a website, they want that thing to go through just like that. And if it don't go through like that, oh man, what's wrong with this computer? You know, yep. what's wrong? You understand? <laughs> 
and, and, that, and that's what it's like. Like a kid go as a freshman, may not be ready, have no clues, not ready at all. Oh, I'm transferring. The coaches don't like me. They got this guy playing. I'm tra- I'm transferring. You know, not don't even give it a chance. Go ahead, MP. And, and or or a lot of times, like Eddie, I'm gonna I'm double back on that about the um about the about the AAU coaches. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, a kid, what I have seen and what I have experienced is some of these kids probably want to do stay on it. They probably want to stay on a program and mm-hmm. develop. Yeah. But it's the AAU coach or somebody that's in their ear that's pushing them because they didn't get the numbers mm-hmm. or they didn't exceed the expectations that they had for the kid. Mm-hmm. You understand? So that's, you know, it, it, it kind of, it varies, man, on both sides because I know, cause I'm on the coaching side with dealing with a lot of these coaches who got the players and doing this and they don't understand that process that you just explained, Eddie where yeah. you're going to sit for two years and the guy that was in front of you not starting, he had to sit for two years. And, you know, they don't understand that process because the guys that coaching them are the guys that are involved with them. They didn't go through that. Mm-hmm. They didn't yeah. experience that. So what happens now, the kid's like, hey, Coach Young, I'm good, man, but I'm better than Eddie, but Coach playing them. Instead of Coach Young saying, hey, this is the reason why Eddie is playing, the coach is saying, no, you should be playing. You better than this guy. I don't know what the coach is thinking about. And now that that brings up stuff in the kid's head. Yeah. So now when the kid has that one day in practice that may be bad, or he have a one good day, now he think he should get rewarded or patted on the back, and it don't happen. Now he's in the tank. Now he sings. Now he picks up the phone, calls home, calls that coach. And that coach is doing what, Eddie? He's telling that kid what he wants to hear. He's not telling that kid what he doesn't want to hear. He's not being truthful with that kid because why? We all know why. He's afraid this kid may be a lottery pick or may get drafted because now he got a chance to benefit off of this kid. Like, I'm going to say it real. Eddie, you don't have to say it because I know you over there in your world, but I'm going to say it <laughs> because that's what it is, man. And that's yeah. what it boils down to. And it, For sure. And it kind of, like, I, me and Eddie, Pat, you know this, like, I talked to, talk to a lot of my former teammates a lot, man. And me and Eddie, I would say me and Eddie are more than teammates. We are friends. He's like a brother to me. So we have these conversations. And I know at times, like, he feel like he's handcuffed from a lot of this stuff. And it's not him. It's not the player. It's the adults sometimes, bro. Yeah. It's the adults who are, are doing this and putting this stuff into these kids' heads. But, you know, it's, it's tough. Then, the boy, then if you talk to the adult, the adult is going to blame it on the NCAA. You understand? Mm-hmm. So it gets even deeper from that. So it's just like, man, you know, I'm just thankful that we're here, that, you know, I get to share this with experienced guys. I see my fellow brother, Eddie Shannon, who's doing well. You know, he's progressing. But, Eddie, one of the things I wanted to say was, man, Pat, you're a little, you're a little young for this, but your 95 class, bro, that 95 class, Kevin mm-hmm. Durant. Mm-hmm. Like, I heard you. I met Kevin uh, Garnett. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kevin, Kevin yeah. Garnett. I heard you mention uh, uh, Sham Godwell, Sham God, Steph. Uh, Shaheem, Shaheem Holloway, Shaheem. Vince, Vince Carter. Vince was in there, yeah. Uh, Rasheed Wallace. Oh. Like, I'm talking about <laughs> you. Paul, arguably, Paul Pierce was in there. Paul Pierce. Like, <laughs> bro, you arguably came out of high school. I, and I came out in 97. Pat, I don't know. I can't remember what year you came out. And we all want to represent our class. 
But when you go to naming the guys that came out of your class, Eddie, and I'm big on, man, I'm big on giving my guys up, upbringing it. Like I told Pat last week, I'm big on giving my guys roses while y'all still here, bro. Yeah. Like, for you to be who you were amongst those guys, dog, like, that is that is huge. That's huge, that man. Because, because you talk, we named some Hall of Famers. You understand? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that you... That you know, like hell, man. Jason Terry, he he wouldn't have ended up at Arizona if you don't if you don't decommit. You know, so like, man, it's it's a lot of stuff. Like I say, Pat, I played with this guy, man. I watched this guy, man, and I still watch this guy. He great husband, great father, great coach. You know, he 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 does everything first class, man, and it, it just it gives me goosebumps to be sitting here and we going through this, and I see my man like, hey. I see him doing this thing. It makes me feel good. I get a little emotional, but it's good stuff, man. I'm sorry to interrupt, Pat. Go ahead. No, man, you're all good. Absolutely. No, no. Hey, to, to also piggy, I appreciate that, MP, but to, to piggyback off of that, the transfer thing is these kids go too high sometimes, too. They don't They don't go to what's going to benefit them, okay? This coach coaches this way, and I play like that. Oh, man, I'll fit right in right there. But – uh, University of Florida recruited me. Ah, I, I don't know if I'm good enough, but I'm gonna go because they the biggest school to recruit me. So I go there. Damn, man, these some good ass players, man. And in order to win, we got. You know, I mean, I, I'm not gonna play. Yeah. Oh, let me transfer. <laughs> yeah, you know, so kids go too high, you know. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, they sometimes these coaches recruit kids at the power five level, you know, when the kid goes too high and they recruit them for insurance, they don't necessarily have a need for mm. them. They got guys and they just recruit them for insurance. Hey, he mm. might be able to come off the bench five, six minutes. You know what I'm saying? And then the kid gets That's there. He you know, the kid doesn't know that. So he right. gets there, he plays those five, six minutes. Oh, okay. This is not what I wanted for a college experience. I'm out, you know. It, so, it just seems college basketball just seems like an ever shifting ground that there isn't, you know, necessarily one solution because there's so many moving parts. Yeah. So much poison. It's so hard to get, you know, full trust in anybody because both mm -hmm. sides can be, you know, you know, can be doing things that, that they're not revealing to the other. You know, right. you got the, the family, the coaches, the incentives of, you know, as a, as a head coach, is the head coach going to be moving? soon making promises oh no I'm not I'm not gonna leave I'm not gonna take this job but as soon as the opportunity comes up you know a great one uh I know I said that last week guys but you know this is my dream job <laughs> you know I gotta which I don't blame you know at the end of the day everyone wants to reach their potential and and take it up to the highest level uh it just seems as though a lot of feelings get hurt and stepped on along the way but I wanted to dive in to, since you guys were teammates for two years I know y'all got some stories I know y'all got something. My memories is bad. Man, Pete might have better memories. I mean, like, if he bring us stuff, I probably can remember it. But hey, this, this, or... this, 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 this is what I'm going to say, Pat. Um, June 10th through the 14th, we having a little powwow where all of us <laughs> get together. And if you want to hear the real stories, Pat, because yeah. we're on your podcast, and my man right now is the NCAA coach. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna reveal some of those some of those okay so I'm gonna keep it like that because I know he got aspirations and and goals of becoming a head coach one day 
So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anything like that. But you know, some of the stories, man, I just remember Eddie. I just remember some of the practices, man, that we went through. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I, you know, I remember some of the practices. I remember uh I'll tell a story about Eddie Shannon. I got one. All right, Eddie is one of those guys, Pat. He can play a million basketball games in one day. I mean, literally, Eddie will play basketball yeah. from sun up to sundown. But the minute, the minute you start talking about some conditioning or some um. running <laughs> or some or any of that, Pat. Yeah. You're talking about breakdown. Yeah. You're talking about checking out. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I said but, that was a that was a mental block for me. For some that reason. was a mental block for him. Because <laughs> and you I don't understand how a guy could play 38 minutes, but he can't me run you. 10 suicides. Mm -hmm. You understand? So it was it was a mental block with him. And I just remember Eddie, I just remember Eddie going through that process, man, of of uh struggling, I said because he's my teammate, struggling yeah, with with um with with conditioning. But with that being said, I think a lot of the struggles that Eddie went through with conditioning and, and a lot of the battles that he went through with our strength and conditioning coach, Rob Glass at the time, that propelled, that that helped him move on further as he moved on in his career. Because Eddie- Oh, you was having some time. real battles. Yeah. yeah. You was the, having some nah, real the, battles. The weight room was easy, but like the 20 and 20, I don't know if y'all did that, Pat. No, Pat ain't experienced that. The, no, the 20 and 20, and Billy, Billy, let me see, there's 20 suicides in 20 minutes. 20 and 20, and then on the track, like the 400s and 200s, like I just had a mental block with that stuff, man. Like I just, I struggled through it, but the competitive. Point guard, like, you're supposed to be the leader. You know, right, you got the ball exactly. in your hand. Give it to him, Pat. Give it to him, Pat. Point guard. On the, but in the conditioning, exactly, right? In the conditioning, but, right? You take, so in the conditioning, I'm struggling. And let's say you got other point guards, whatever, they lead, right? But then when we get on the court, I'm going to outlast them. How? I don't know. Because that, that now we competing. Well, I got you. Now, we, now, now we're competing. Like, I guess for me, mentally, it was just like, man, I'm running. And what am I running for? Like, I'm just out here running. You know, but in the, court, yeah. in the court, I got a ball in my hand. I need to put it in the basket or get somebody the ball to put it in the basket. I need to defend the ball. And that's just, so I, I, just, I just don't know. But, yeah, I would have been a horrible example. <laughs> so, uh, this is what you what this is what you need your point guard to be and i tell you like i i had so when i was at canisius coaching there was a kid he's from virginia, richmond virginia malik johnson man he's one of my favorite people in the world because he malik was small he played for team loaded malik like five eight five nine but he's the toughest kid he reminded me so much of me but he was tough in every single way you know, including the conditioning. He was first in everything. No matter what you ran, he was first. You know, defense, he picking up full court. Offense, he get he knows every play for everybody. And wow. I so much admiration for him. And that's why I'm giving him a shout out because I did, like, for me as a coach, to see the way that he was, the only flaw that I thought he had was it took him a while to get the leadership down because he would get on guys, and when he got on them, he got on them, you know. But he did not, when they did well, he did not praise them. So he had to bridge that gap and learn how, okay, if I want these guys to do, like, when they do well, I got to give them. You got to get them both. Love. I got to give them a lot of love. 
because then yeah, they'll yeah. let me get on them. But he he would get on them so bad, and they'd be like, "Yeah, I'm in the tank now." <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, I, I would have been a bad example for that. Why? Yeah, I would. I, that was that was, <laughs> yeah, that that was we we didn't do we didn't do those. We did Coach Donovan had us doing uh, uh what what do you have us doing? See, so, Coach, not what, to, we not had the strongman training. What was what, what you at? Yeah, yeah, they do no, strongman. No, stuff. not to cut you off, Pat. Let me tell you something. You see how you had to think about what you had to do? Oh, you ain't gotta think about it. And you see on our side how it came <laughs> out just like that. That's twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Hey, Pat, I don't see grown men break down, brother. Yeah, that's no one But we started yeah. with, we ended with 20 and 20, but I think we either started with 14. We started with 12. We started oh, with 12. 12. Yeah, I think we started yeah. with something. And then to finish, you was got- Was it every other day conditioning or? No, that was once a week. So the once first a week, yeah. 12 and 14 and 16, 18 and what, 20. 6 a.m. or something like that? Yeah. Oh, I had to be in the morning. Yeah. yeah. I don't get that. Yeah, that's what those early. So, hey, but so, see, Pat, the conditioning was so real, we wanted it in the morning because you can you imagine waiting around all day knowing that you're gonna get this? Yeah, butterflies. <laughs> you I got butterflies, man. You don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. Facts, yeah, I'd rather get it out early. Get it out the way. So, so what Eddie, what was it like for you when when Coach Kruger was was leaving and then they, you know, you heard Coach Donovan? was coming over, you know, you ended up being on his first Sweet 16 team. Mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of, you know, Major, a little bit before this, you guys uh, got beat by Gonzaga, a team that I'm sure nobody really knew of mm -hmm. uh, at that time. And, you know, years later, they, they, their programs turned into a powerhouse. But, you know, first, please get into, like, what it was like when, you know, your coach that recruited you was gone and then Coach Donovan, this jet black hair, 30, you know, 30-something-year-old coach coming in. <laughs> Mm -hmm. what, what was that like for you? Well, when 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 Coach Kruger decided to leave, and I don't, I, I can't even recall how I felt, but I don't think I felt, you know, like any particular way, good or bad. I thought transfer, um, but I wanted to. I was I was just being told by Jeremy Foley and some of the other administration, you know, hey, let's wait around, see who gets the job, you know, and then then go from there. So in comes Billy, and I didn't know. The only thing I knew about Coach Donovan is, is Coach Grant did try to recruit me when they were at Marshall. But obviously, at that time, I was being recruited by all these, you know, and I knew how good I was. I mean, I didn't give Marshall a second thought, but I did, I did have some familiarity with Coach Grant, right? The only thing I heard was great thing. Billy the Kid, uh, going to play fast that kind of stuff. So that, that intrigued me a lot. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to stick around for this. And he came in, he met, you know, met with us. And obviously he, he was a good talker, good, had a good vibe, good aura about him. All young guys can relate to, you know, me. I knew he played in the NBA, knew his story at Providence and all of that stuff. So, I mean, for me, it was a no brainer to stay. Um, I had a conversation with coach Kruger about going to Illinois, but that never really, panned out like that plus they had a point guard a good point guard already uh in Kiwan Garris at Illinois already so um me staying I think you know I tell people now that was just you know that was a blessing in the sky well I'm sorry with with coach 
Kruger leaving, that was a blessing in disguise for me, not because of coach, but because of the style of play at the time. Yeah, yeah. What really came in, you know, just the difference in style of plays. Um, both tremendous coaches, obviously. Um, yeah. But just at that time, the style of play for me was – Fit was more your game, yeah. That's kind of what you were you were initially looking for. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you first – I'm glad you got that opportunity to do so. You know, what, what was it – what was that transition like, you know, when getting into that new system? It had to be excitement, you know, going through the practices. You feel like, oh, snap, we like, we moving. Like, this is what I, I get to finally, like, you know, stick to my strengths and my guns. Because, yeah, Coach Donovan wants you, wants you to get it up there and go. Well, I'll tell you this. Like MP was saying, how, how we <laughs> the first thing we started doing was, like, stuff for conditioning. <laughs> and, and even even like the individual workouts were so hard yeah, yeah. I mean, they were so hard from a conditioning perspective yeah he came like, from rick patino that's why so yeah <laughs> you're doing all these full court uh um ball handling drills you're doing you know one-on-one full court two-on-two full court three-on-three full court i mean it it, it it was really hard but i'll say this it like versus conditioning. So if we were conditioning, I may sit out one or two, right? But with the ball, I just push through. You know, it, it was like it was like first nature. You know, yeah. I am not sitting out these. You know, I at least got the ball in my hand, and it was just like no, we we hooping, we playing ball. It's hard, and I'm tired. Is I don't know what I'm tired as I would be if we were doing something without a ball. Yeah. You know, but my mind would be like, okay, sit this one out. But with the ball, my mind's not saying that. It's saying compete. Keep going. <laughs> no. It's amazing how that works when it's something that right. you're really passionate about, you know. You change that that whole dynamic. Goodness. Yeah, man. So but it it was, you know, I I um it taught me a lot and it, it even taught me a lot how to um deal with these guys today. And, and their mental makeups and how I can relate in, in some ways and try to reach them in a different way to get them to move in a certain way. Uh, well, um, after your career at Florida, you went on to play 10 years professional. Bounce mm-hmm. all around. Uh, you were in Sweden, Russia, Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what up with here? Latvia? Latvia. Latvia. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. France. Croatia, mm-hmm. Cyprus, Greece, and Australia. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was all over the globe, man. All over the globe. You might you might see a uh, – let me see. In a year or so, it might have an NBA player coming from somewhere. <laughs> from where? <laughs> from somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, um, hey, he's trying to crank Joe. He's trying to crank Joe's pack. Pat missed that. Missed Pat missed that. It went over your head, Pat. Uh, yeah, um, it went over my head. Uh, no, <laughs> I had been uh, so Pat. I had a chance to get my to get a Russian passport, um, but I chose not to. So I played my first year in Sweden. Actually, um, I don't know if you know Tim Maloney and Tom Ostrom and those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think they were gone before you got there, but yeah. Coach Maloney helped me get to Sweden my first year because the guy who was coaching the team is actually American, whose dad is from, I think they're from like the Clearwater area. Um, 
um, his name was David Fisher. He was the head coach for applying your basket. We won the championship over there, but Dave, I think went to Florida, something like that. But um, so I had a really good year in Sweden. We won the championship. I was guard of the year in the country. So then, and that was only for like $50,000, but then I got a big contract the following year, which is rare to go to Russia, but it was pretty much in Siberia. Um, all the way at the top, you know, you got Seska Moscow and then you had us, right? I know you know Seska. Um, yeah. And we played in, we didn't play in EuroLeague, we played in, it was called ULEV Cup then, right? So you had EuroLeague and ULEV Cup. And Seska was our rival. We beat them, like, I think we split twice during the season and then they beat us like 4-3 in the, in the championship in Russia. But anyway, so after that year, they offered me and J.R. Holden, who was the point guard at, at Seska Moscow. Now, he ended up getting his Russian passport, and he played on the Russian national team that played against LeBron and Kobe and all those guys in the Olympics. Wow. Um, they offered me the same thing and to join Seska Moscow, right? But then I also had a contract offer in Italy, a three-year contract to play for a team called Udine, Snyder Udine. They're, they're no longer in existence, but I took that contract and it was a really good contract. It wasn't even, it wasn't as much as they were offering me at Seska, but the quality of life of living. Yeah. I would the, say the quality of life. Seen too, too, too much. You know, I was like, you're living in snow. You're living in snow and cold right. for eight months and traffic. Right. In right. Yeah. So, so I ended up taking that contract and I stayed in Russia. I mean, stayed in, uh, well, I stayed in Italy for three years. Then I left and then I came back for two more, um, yeah, then um, I think France was France was really good. That was one of my favorite places. Strasbourg, really good team, strong team. Um, Strasbourg, good team. Yeah, I saw you yeah. played in Ike in Athens. I live in. Yeah, Athens yeah, yeah. Now Brazil. that was a bad experience though, and I and I and I managed to stay away from Greece. I, I really did, but I took a chance on Ike, and that was my last year playing. I took a chance. I went to Ike in August because you played in Greece too, right? Yeah, I played in Greece for two years. Yeah, what's the what's the word that they say and it means tomorrow? Do you remember? Uh, tomorrow is uh, Avrio. 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 Yeah. So, that's what I'm they guessing, say. I'm guessing tomorrow is <laughs> whenever you needed an answer for anything. No, it was always right, tomorrow. hold on. That plus, but the money. See, I stayed away from oh, Greece huh. because of the, I never had a money issue in Europe ever until I went to Greece and that was my last year. Right. Yeah, I went there in August. They were supposed to give me, you know, once I passed a physical, they gave me that upfront money. Right. But then the salary, August, September, October, I got nothing. Right. And every day you say something, they say, Avio, tomorrow. Right. <laughs> that's why, that's why I can remember the word. But so in November, I was just like, forget that I'm out. And I left there and I went to Australia uh and these i was i literally came home for a week and then i went to australia um that next that next week and after that season finished that's when i i am um, stopped playing hey eddie i have a question about that too pat like eddie you played overseas for 10 years you played abroad for 10 years mm-hmm. so for for some of the listeners that's going to be listening to this and some of the kids this the athletes are looking that are looking at following your shoes and go overseas and play. Like, what type of advice would you give them as far as being a professional? And then also, Eddie, I just always, you know, 
Like we've been friends forever. So I know you are a good man with handling your money and your finances the correct way. Mm-hmm. You know, speak with them about, you know, handle, handling your finances the correct way. And then also understanding, like after these 10 years was over with, what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. How did you prepare and plan for your life after mm-hmm. basketball? You know, how did you save your money? And how do how do I become like that that 10 year pro that you were to carry yeah. yourself as a professional? Yeah, well, relationships is everything, first of all, for after basketball. I mean, don't lose your relationships and cultivate relationships while you're playing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's easier now with the internet and social media and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, um, cultivate relationships with people that are outside of your industry. Because you can learn so much from people that, 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 that don't necessarily have the same interests as you. Um, just, just try to try to get relationship, gain knowledge. You want to be well-rounded. That's the first thing. And don't think of yourself as just a basketball player or I just hoop or I just no, you're so much more than that. And you got more to offer the world than just that. Yeah. You, you understand? And as far as just being a professional, man, one thing for, for me, and I, and I thank God for this, is just I don't believe in um, being late to things. And mm-hmm. that just mean like, I think I was late one time for practicing in my entire professional career, one mm-hmm. time. Um, and that was a um, alarm clock thing and it was a misunderstanding, but be early, don't, no, don't be late to things, treat every single person top to bottom the same. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Cause we're all the same man. in the day, I don't care how much money you make or don't make. We, we're all the same. You're going to treat the janitor the same way you're going to treat the president of the school. And that's mm-hmm. just that. You know, you treat everybody with kindness because that's how you want to be treated. That's how you want you would want your offspring to be treated when you're not Absolutely. here. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. People, people, Absolutely. people will respect you for that. Um, and just do what you're supposed to do. Do your job. You know, do your job. Your job is the who. You can't control if you're missing or making shots, but you can control how hard you play, the effort you give, and being a good teammate, being a good locker room guy. Don't just be, don't just be an a-hole, man, just, just, just for the sake of And even if you're a really good player, that's even more reason to be generous and kind to people and being a good person to people, you know, because mm-hmm. you, got, you got a platform. And people already look for flaws in you. Yes. you know, don't give them any ammunition to at least that's that's the one thing you can't control just be kind speak to people be nice to people um so that you know I just try to carry myself like that and and that may be because I was raised by my grandparents they just taught me like that I don't don't know Mm -hmm. um but I I, I've never felt that I was better than anybody um I've always been humble um everybody goes through things in life and just do things the right way, play the right way, do things the right way. And that that's what I would say about just, you know, being I love that, man. Just being yeah. professional. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was uh, some great profound wisdom right there. <laughs> yeah. Because at the end of the day, man, just, just you know, the ball will stop bouncing one day. You'll yeah. stop coaching one day. And then people are going to have a memory of you. What is it? Now, you know, we all, people say, uh, don't care what other, other people think. And that's fine. That's true. But that's based on like opinions and stuff, you know, or what you're doing with your life and such stuff like that. Not on how you treated them or how you carried yourself. Yeah. You know? 
that's that like you want people to say man I, I ran into Pat Young and man he just he was just a class act you know yeah it's class act or he was man that's the biggest a-hole I ever met right yeah. you, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. um so to me that goes further than anything in life and that's how I try to raise my kids too yeah yeah I, I definitely myself strive to uh now that I've I've realized you know, looking at looking in and looking back through the, the microscope scope of my life, how blessed I've been, the opportunities I've been given. So mm-hmm. how could I ever, uh, you know, without me, especially my dad six three, my mom's five seven, and I was six, and I'm six foot nine. So mm-hmm. that 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 in and of itself, just to start off, you know, I did nothing to be into this body that I'm in. First off, so how can I ever, you know, treat you know, my situation is better than somebody else's or that I have done anything to deserve it. So I always strive my best and I'm not perfect at it, but to uh, value everyone's life, value everyone that I come in contact with to, you know, mm-hmm. cultivate humility and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I tend to try to tell kids all the time, you know, if, you know, my group, my tombstone were to just say Patrick Young, good basketball player, I feel as though I would have failed the world. Mm-hmm. You know, because because mm-hmm. definitely made for way more. Like it's basketball has been a platform for me to have a voice, to give back and and serve and have a meaningful life. Um, in the sense of how how can I use my life to better somebody else's that hasn't been given the same things, or hopefully change the trajectory of their life that probably wasn't on a good direction, and now can be headed into a better direction. Even if it's for one person, you know, it's it is uh, priceless to be able to help one person change the direction of their life. And I'd rather not be taken away uh, from somebody from me thinking, you know, being a bad person, negative, bad attitude versus because kindness is free. It right. don't cost a doggone thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not a thing. Not a thing. It don't cost a thing to walk <laughs> in the room, to smile, to have a good positive attitude, to open the door for somebody. That doesn't cost cost you a single thing, but just a little bit of effort. That's that's mm-hmm. it. That's it. In the mindset. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Well, I appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate. Yeah, you guys. I yeah, yeah. I got, I got one more, one more question okay. I wanted to ask you, uh, Eddie. Well, two, two small, small ones. So okay. you, you, you were at uh, the first time you went to UCC Chattanooga. You were uh, did basketball operations. Yeah, my first, right? my first year, my second year, I was an assistant coach. Yep. How, how, what's the difference? I mean, there's a big difference, but you know, what was the difference in responsibility from being? you know, and the operation of the basketball than, than going through the assistant coach. There's a lot more, uh, I would think. Yeah, so so operations is more logistical, you know, travel, uh, schedule, scheduling, you know, as far as practice scheduling, coordinating with gir- with the girls' team, coordinating with shooting rounds, all of that stuff, anything logistical dealing with the team all of that stuff. And then you, I mean, obviously you can, if you're a basketball guy, cause a lot, sometimes the Dobo is a basketball guy. And sometimes the Dobo is just a kid trying to get into the business, that kind of stuff, you know, trying to become a head uh, coach or whatever. Um, but if you're a basketball guy and the head coaches and the coaches value your opinion, you know, you're going to be in the basketball meetings as well. Right? I got you. So, and then being an assistant, obviously is more a, it's recruiting, it's practice planning, it's, individual workouts it's it's all of that stuff that's that's yeah that's the biggest difference yeah know? i'm i'm sure you you definitely appreciated both getting both aspects oh, on, yeah. your, on your journey oh yeah and yeah and i guess to end to end with you know thank you so much for your time 
you know, what are, what are your aspirations, goals, hope for, you know, as you're, you continue each chapter of your life, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, wanting to be a head coach one day, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, leading your own program. You know, what are, what are some aspirations you have? You know, obviously your faith, your family, being a good man, your relationships. But at the end of the day, you know, how would you define with your vision for yourself? My vision is, you know, I want to obviously be a head coach um, at a, at a, you know, relatively pretty, uh, pretty size school, you know, power five, you know, high major minor school um, at some point. Um, I would love nothing more than to be back, you know, in Florida coaching. Um, love to definitely, you know, if I ever had a chance, if I ever had the opportunity to, um, you know, do something at the University of Florida, if, if that opportunity ever, ever arose, um, that would be, that's a dream of mine. Um, yeah. I think first and foremost is just, you know, obviously just being a head coach. You know, I love coaching, man. Just love pouring in the kids. and Because I can see myself in every kid, man. Just, you know, I got, yeah. I, I believe in, you know, helping these kids try to reach their dreams, man. And cause somebody helped me, you know, and whatever I can do to help. I, I don't, I don't, even if I think a kid might not be able to play at a certain level, I, I don't tell them that I try to help them do it. You know, Hey, you want to get better. You want to get to the gym, let's do it. You know, um, here's what you need to work on. Here's what you need to continue to get better at, you know? So yeah, for me, man, just, you know, being a head coach, you know, uh, eventually if I, I, I'd love to stay in the Southeast, obviously, if I could, yeah. could ever get a chance to get back to the state of Florida, um, as well as, you know, the Gators, um, <laughs> that, that would be great. You know? <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's just home, man, you know, yeah. I'm a Gator through and through, you know, and, and I, you know, if I have to coach against them, I, you know, I coach against them and, you know, I'm hoping to beat them. Hey, but, well, of course. But as long as I'm not <laughs> coaching against them, you know, I'm rooting for the Gators. Yeah. You know. I so, love and it. That's, and that's in it. every sport. That's football, baseball, swimming, you know, soccer, whatever. And, you know, we relevant. We relevant and, in all yeah. of them. We relevant in everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. So, yeah. Hey, Pat, Pat, I, I want to touch on something with Eddie. Eddie, I just want you to. Yeah. I just want you to talk about, man, um, you know, you, you're from Riviera. You know, mm-hmm. give yourself some shout out, man, because I know you and I both, we do a lot of basketball camps back at home. We do a lot of stuff for the community. So just talk about, because <clears throat> Eddie runs camps back at home also, Pat. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes back and he gives he gives back to the community. So, yeah. Eddie, just talk about that little, that, you know, that little bit, right, that little piece well, right yeah. there. For, yeah, that, I haven't run a camp in a while. Um, you know, being a Division One coach now is is kind of you can't really do that kind of stuff because it's it, it can be seen as like uh, benefits um, for recruits and everything, and it's it's off campus. The only stuff we could do like that is in the month of June, July, and August, and it had to be on campus. You know, and you know, ran by the University of Tennessee Chattanooga. But yeah, I used to um, um, run the camps you know, my own camps, you know, back in my hometown. And I, re- I, I charge like, I think, I think one year I charge 15 and next year I charge like 25. So it's, it's relatively nothing um, versus what, what the kids, you know, they get something. So I spend pretty much money out of my pocket. I got to pay to run the camp pretty much. And it's just me trying to, you know, just doing something for the community, man, um, that I grew up in. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a whole lot of camps. Derek Harper, who's from Rivera Beach, who played in the NBA for a long time, who played mm-hmm. with the Knicks, um, 
he had a couple when I was coming up and I remembered that. Um, and, and I wanted to do the same thing. You know, it's unfortunately I can't do it the way I was doing it. Um, but if things ever changed and I could, I would, you know. So, so Ed, if I hear you correctly, you've been a division one coach, assistant coach right now. You mm -hmm. can't come back to Riviera Beach and put on a basketball camp. No. Wow. 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 Okay. Yeah, a lot a lot of crazy loopholes yeah. uh, yeah. or just yeah. hurdles you gotta jump through as being uh, on that side of the things with the NCAA. Hopefully yeah. some things are gonna change. Um, but that's it. That's all I got for you, Eddie. It was a mm -hmm. an honor having you on the show. Major, do you have any other closing remarks? No closing remarks, just Eddie, good luck, man. Keep being a pillar in your community. Keep being a great husband, great father, and brother. We we wish you the best. We're rooting for you, and go Gators, man. Yeah, absolutely. Same to you guys, man. I appreciate yeah. y'all having me on, and it was a, it was a pleasure to be on and, and to talk to you, Pat. I followed your career. Um, obviously, being a Gator fan, man. Glad. I mean, y'all made me proud watching you guys, man. So I'm definitely grateful and thankful um, for that. And you know, I'll be following you guys continuously, man. Go Gators. Go Gators.